Doctor Who Fan Podcast, episode number eight. Is that the intro that never ends or what? It kind of is, yeah. So uh, welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor Who Fan Podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And we are coming to you with episode... Oh, goodness. What is it now? I just said it at the beginning. Was it episode eight? Yeah. Episode eight. And so this would be season three, episode eight of the new series of Doctor Who. Well, it would be... Actually, episodes eight eight and and nine. nine. We're just going to throw off our podcast episode numbers. So... I know, no big deal, I'm sure. Anyways, um, what I was going to say is I completely forgot. No, we we watched the episode Human Nature, episode number eight, and episode number nine, The Family of Blood, both of these episodes back-to-back, and we watched them a couple days ago. Honestly, I don't think there is any other way to watch these episodes. I think that they were... I mean, I would have hated to have to wait a week in between because so much. Well, I, it was a two-parter. They were connected. They were connected. But the folks in the UK, when it originally was broadcast, they well, were broadcast one week apart from each other. Maybe they're more patient than I am. So let's see. It was the original airing of Human Nature was on the 26th of May, 2007. And the Family of Blood was uh, on the 2nd of June, 2002. Seven second. You like that? I like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we want to welcome the folks in our chat room who have joined us live for the Doctor Who Fan Podcast. Uh, welcome to you folks there. Glad you have joined us live. We do record this on, what is today, Monday? It is. Yes. Monday, it is Monday. Monday evenings, 10 p.m. Eastern time is when we are here live and we invite you to join us if you'd like. You can even call in. And uh, share your thoughts on Doctor Who and the various shows that we're watching. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and try to do our best to turn off my iPhone because uh, it's beeping in everybody's ears here. And I am going in and I am putting it on airplane mode. All right. And so anyway, what was I saying? You were saying we were going to do our best to... Oh, to cover the episodes, even though it's been a while since we watched them. Well, it so, hasn't been that long. It's just been a couple of days. It has just been a couple of days. But I'll tell you, this was an amazing episode. The, but, I mean, these two together were probably... A, it's They're among my favorite episodes all of all Doctor Who until okay. up to this point in this series, in this show. <laughs> Because Good way I, to cover. Well, no, the thing is, is that the, I, I'm already aware of the season finale of season three, which I so cannot wait until you get to watch. I mean, I, right. I, I, I've told you this before, and I know I've even said it here in the podcast, but I have cried. I cried, teared up three different times in the season finale of season three. So I know I was there. I didn't watch it, but you watched it in the same room as I think you were doing the dishes 
and I was kind of doing something else. Really? Yeah. I was doing the dishes. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Very. You sure this wasn't a dream of yours? I'm pretty sure it wasn't a dream. Oh, cool. So anyway, the Human Nature is the eighth episode of season three, as we've already uh, talked about, and it is the first episode of a two-part story written by Paul Cornell, who also wrote Father's Day, which these are the only two episodes, I mean, well, the three of these, I guess, together, but Paul Cornell has not written anything other than Human Nature slash Family of Blood and Father's Day. Unless, did he write, did he write? Have, have we not seen Father's Day yet? Yeah, Father's Day, remember that was with Rose. She went back in time with oh, Christopher yeah, Eccleston. Oh, yeah, absolutely, I remember that. So now. that was the other episode I didn't that know he wrote. Any, I didn't know any of the titles, the episode titles from, from that season. Right, so. but Father's Day was the one where he did go back, or she did go back and, and got to see her father alive. and She tried got the, to meet him for the first time, right? Right, and she saved him from... Uh, being hit by the car and the kind of that the, was a cool episode. That was a cool episode, and so it, again, it was it, it was Paul Cornell who was who wrote that episode. Okay. Who also wrote this. So okay. uh, I know a lot of people out there wish that perhaps he would write quite a few more episodes of Doctor he's, Who because he's, he's done really good. Yes, he has. So I mean, he's at, at the very least he's proven himself to be an excellent author for these shows. Okay. All right, so here's the little synopsis to bring everybody well, up to date. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, really. you. Well, I was going to say, can't you just tell the synopsis without reading it? Oh, I suppose I can. But basically, if you really want to read it, you no, can. No, I don't have to read it. So basically, here's the deal. This family of blood, or was that, do we happen to know what their names were? Were they? They weren't they the Slytherin. Because were, the they, Slytherin was somebody else. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I know that they called themselves. Um, oh, it's just the the. Um, let's see. When the lights in the sky herald the arrival of the family. It, that's all. Yeah, I think that that's all they it, were. Called. It was just the family. I like when they f- referred to each other as um, mother of mine and son of mine. And yeah, yeah, that, that was, was really funny. That was a little crazy. Sister but, of mine. Sister of mine. But anyway, what happened was is that the the doctor was being chased through time by the family of blood. And they could sniff the existence of the doctor. Right. And the only way to get them off of his trail or off of the scent was for him to no longer be a Time Lord. Right. And... I think you need to know that... I think um, it's important to know that the reason that they wanted him as a time lord was because they were trying to um live indefinitely yes they like, wanted the ability to regenerate yeah. just as the time yeah, lords like did. i think they um they were only supposed to continue to live for three months or something like that so, yeah something is that right yeah something okay. of that along that nature if i were reading the synopsis i would know but well by all means read no, the synopsis. I, not the synopsis but the plot but no i think i think we can get it without going through and reading the entire wikipedia encyclopedia right. article on this episode so we catch a little and that that's all um, a lot of that are things that we figure out throughout the two episodes but um i loved meeting john smith well, let's talk about John Smith. So okay. what happened was he turned himself into a full-blown human. Mm-hmm. There was no trace of him being a Time Lord whatsoever. In fact, it completely, this this uh, chameleon circuit, 
which I think I've heard only in the past used in how it transforms the exterior appearance of the TARDIS. Okay. But anyway, this was something uh, that completely rewrote his entire DNA to what Cavero in our chat room is saying is that he he even got down to where there was only one heart. Right. So there was no trace of there him. There was being, no trace of him being, being anything other, other than, than human. Yes. And she corrected me, it was the chameleon arch. And okay. so or arc. Uh one or the other. I can't remember. But anyway, uh but she says the chameleon circuit is different. Or the guest number one is saying uh that uh the chameleon circuit is different. So okay. Got lots of people helping yourself, keeping the details straight, because, of course, those of you out there who are listening to us, we know that you are trying to become Doctor Who aficionados, which, you know, I I doubt maybe that this is the best podcast for that. There are other podcasts that will go much deeper than we ever will. However... So so he basically became fully human, and he left some instructions with Martha. You want to talk about those instructions? Well, he, he left very specific instructions. I think there were something like, there were like 23 or 24 items long um, that he had recorded for her. Kind of like a video blog. Kind of like a video blog of... Um, well, because we find out, we don't find out right away that Martha is aware of what's going on. Although, I I caught on right away, so I'm sure that other people did as well. That um, because we meet John Smith, um, and and we meet Martha, you know, or we see Martha as um, as kind of a, a maid servant in this school that John Smith is working in. He has become this, this school teacher, teacher. Um, at a boys school. And um, so the first time that you really see um, John Smith and, and Martha it's already interact, two mu- it's two months it's, into they're this. already two months into this. And so, but right away you get the feeling that, that to Martha, he's still the doctor. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean. So there, she is aware of what's going on, and I even said that to you. I said Martha is is fully aware of what's going on, isn't she? And you're like, do you really want me to tell you? <laughs> well, I asked, didn't I? And then he, you didn't tell me, but I, I said yeah. yes. I'm stating that I believe that that she knows what's going on. And so then the first time we see her run to the TARDIS, um, where where it's hidden away, we we learn that she is aware of what's going on, and and more of the story about how, um, his complete form as a time lord, or not form, but um, his complete self as a time lord is being um, held in this watch, and that if anything goes wrong, she's just supposed to open the watch, and everything will come back to him, uh, which I thought was really cool. I no, it's totally awesome. It, it's I, it was an amazing the, writing. It really is. I really enjoyed it. Um, so yes, so there was now one of the things that we learn is that as they go two months into this, uh, the doctor is starting to have dreams. Although he is completely human and has no recollection of his previous life, right. he begins to have dreams. Dreams uh, where he would just have very vivid things such as uh, with Martha and other worlds. And he would basically when he would wake up, he would, in essence, take his journal and draw things, Mm -hmm. draw pictures of the visions that he saw. And he would write things and journal it as much as he can. And he called it. I loved it. He called it. It says, this is my journal of impossible things. (laughs) 
And I'll tell you what, what happened was he gave, he started to um, take a liking to a certain somebody. He did. And to he, the school nurse, the school nurse. And her name was Joan and Joan Redfern. Okay. And Joan was kind of taken to him as well. And he gives her the Journal of Impossible Things. Yes, he does. And and Martha's like chasing after. Oh, you don't want that. That's just silly stuff. Right. Um, you know what I really liked was when... Um, now, we are jumping all over the place because we don't have notes because we did watch this several days ago. But um, I really liked how when, um, when Martha figured out that... that John Smith was was falling in love with Joan and Joan with with John Smith. How she went to the TARDIS and started scrolling through the instructions saying, you didn't tell me about this. Yes. Because the doctor had never. What do you do? You never told me if you fell in love. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? You didn't cover this. I thought that that was really, really sweet that they wrote that part in. Yeah. And and I love, of course, uh, you know, they're showing her love for the doctor and and just she hits up. And really how hard it was for her to watch him, even though John Smith was not him showing her struggle in seeing him in love with another woman. Right. The the thing that was very difficult for her, I would imagine, is the fact that in the last episode, there's all these frequent fire, flyer benefits. You know, she gets <laughs> right. a key to the TARDIS. She what else did she get? She got the cell phone upgrade. Right. And and it's like, man, this we're moving we're moving right along, if you will. Right. And we we realize that in this episode, all of that seems lost when she when he completely forgets about her again. Again. Right. And um so what else did I really like about this episode? Well, let me go through and and, okay. and, and share some other things that had happened. There there was uh one of the the students or the pupils, uh his name was uh Timothy Latimer and he had demonstrated maybe I guess what you would call some extra sensory perception and uh he was able to kind of tell foresee things that and, and know things about people that that he really shouldn't have known, and this perception that he had gave him the ability to kind of tune in to some of the things that were to kind of sense that there was something more to the watch that he had saw than, right. than met the eye, and he was hearing voices and and picking things up, and so it it caught him so off guard, and he didn't know what to do that he actually took the watch. Which causes some great distress for Martha and the doctor and everybody involved. Martha starts freaking out. Of course she did. Because she's like, okay, there is nothing in here. This family is here. They've taken over the the body of you know these right. people. I know this is weird. I don't know what to do. It's time for the doctor to come back. Regardless, it's time for him to come back. Right. Paul's here for just a second. And I want to ask... I'm trying to remember. How did the episode end? The episode ended with what? The episode ended with um, the um, well. The, the fam- family caught up to him. The family caught up to him, and and so we we see a lot of that in part two, right? Titled "The Family of Blood," and um, they they caught up to him, and they hold the TARDIS hostage, which I thought was funny, right? And um, well, but then obviously he gets the upper hand. 
and they wanted eternal life is is what they were looking for. But and the question is, how did he on. get the upper hand? The boy. The boy. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I, I'm I'm clueless as to what happened there. I'm sorry. Do you know? Well, I'm having a hard time. I do. I describing do remember, it, but I do um, remember that he uh, took each of them and gave them eternal life. He put made the the crazy right. boy with the crick in his neck and. Uh, well, they all did that. They all had the crick in the neck. They did. That's right. Even when, even in the scarecrow form. Right. They all had the lazy head. <laughs> but um. But so it, he did. He took them and you know he he did the various things with them that that gave them the. Um, I remember them talking about the rage in his eyes. He put the little girl in a mirror. In a mirror. Mm-hmm. Which, that was a little freaky at that the end. That was kind of creepy. So, um, Cavero um, in the room is trying to say it was, had something to do with a gun, maybe, that, that gave him the extra the extra uh, leg up on no, him. No, he was in there. Um, he was in there. He was in there. Ship. And um, he had come in pretending to be John Smith and acting like he was going to give uh, them the watch. Yeah. And, um, and he, ma- and yes, he, 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 he pushed some, some buttons switches. and did he, sh- you know. He flipped some switches and blew up their ship, which, yeah. which, ma- you know, basically they lost all their weaponry or whatever. Right. Uh, and any any kind of upper hand that they had. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. So, so okay, then this makes sense. The reason why I wanted to pause there for just a minute um, is because I'm sitting there thinking, why did he go through all the trouble of becoming human? Because, uh, you know, when it came down to it, when they tracked him down and they found him, you know, here Martha's just going to give him the watch and he becomes the doctor again, you know, and, and it's like, hello. And I realized that his desire was to be uh, hidden for the full three months so that they would just, quote unquote, die off. Right. Which, of course, then that leads me to think, why on earth did they not just die off um, after he put them wherever he put them, why did they live forever? Because he did something to them. Did he do something to that's them? That's what it said. I don't recall. So but anyway, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what it said in the in the narration at the end. Okay. So anyway, so we do learn that indeed the doctor becoming human is inevitably what ended up saving. The whole situation, right? It, I mean, of course, they his idea that would be that he would be able to wait them out for the three months and they would die off. However, because he was found two months in and uh, and he was uncovered, and Martha uh, can finally convinced him to become human or uh, a time lord again, right? It was the fact that he was human that allowed him to sneak in under their radar. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretending to be very clumsy and pushing a bunch of switches and in turn making right. things go. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I, it, it was a couple days ago and my my head just went a little uh, fuzzy, as Cavero in the chat room would say. I understand. So anyway. I've been a little fuzzy myself from time to time. Yes. you. We all have, I think. So anyway. Um, Good save. You like, yeah, I was, I, <laughs> did you see that? I almost stuck foot in mouth. Uh-huh. All right. So basically. We um, learned that Martha loves him to bits. Loves him to bits. Loves him to bits. And to then bits. tells him later that um, she was just saying all that to. Oh, yeah. Draw the doctor out. Yep. 
And of course, uh, she went out and got the sonic screwdriver, hoping that a familiar object would convince him that he is a doctor, you know, that he is a Time Lord. And just none of that stuff was working. But if finally it got to the point where, okay, it's time to bring out the watch and they couldn't find it. And that's where all trouble broke down. And, and eventually we moved into the family of blood, which again was a wonderful um, continuation of this episode. Mm-hmm. The, the scarecrow people, that's just, that was a little weird. No, it was maybe a little bit weird, but it's better than some of the other things we've seen. This is true. It is better than the lady the the lady sucking blood through a straw. Why? What was wrong with her? <laughs> the, the, just she the just fact. looked like a human. But I mean, it's better than some of it's better than the Saran wrap dudes from the early days. And yeah, I think that it's a little bit better than um, the Daleks. The Daleks and um, maybe the the pig clones that they had. The pig clones, you know, the the Power Ranger guys, yeah. Power Ranger Rhino Force. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, I thought it was creative. One of the things that we haven't mentioned is the fact that everything in this episode takes place in the year 1913, right. which is exactly one year before the quote unquote Great War or World War One. Right. And these boys are being trained to fight in such a war if it were to happen. And um, I really like how they played on the reality of, of what these boys were being trained to do. Right. And I don't know I complete if I completely understand what Timothy was was all about the the whole fact that he could see the future and that he knew it was the watch. Yeah, it was the watch because the watch is the same thing that let um, John Smith and um, Joan see the future, where you know they were married and had a couple of kids and oh, lived yeah. happily For, ever I, after. It I was the watch. I forgot about that. The fact that he got to see himself grow old with her, which I thought was cool. That was very cool. And, um, and didn't they have kids? I just said that they had a couple. They, I know they had a, a son and a daughter, but I'm not sure if they had two or three kids. Right. So, yeah, very, very, very awesome. But it was the watch that let him see the future. Okay. Because he was already sensitive to it, I think. Right. And I loved how at the end of the episode, uh, the doctor and Martha came back. I love when he way- hugged her. When he who, and when who, well, hold who? on before you get to the very end. Oh, when okay. Martha I, is standing outside of the TARDIS and he comes back from meeting with Joan and asking her to come with him, and and he gives Martha a hug and tells her thank you or something like that. You you don't yeah. remember that part? No. Okay, I'm sorry. And then you see that Martha and the and the Doctor come back in 1914, right? Uh, was it 19, but no, well, I'm, I, well, I think maybe, did they come back in 1940? I think they came back, what I was talking about is when they oh. came back when, when Timothy was an older boy or, or an older man. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what wait, I'm talking he about. He was, he was, was he getting some kind of honor for, for his work in that war? Yeah. It says or something like that. Uh, Latimer shows up to see the doctor and Martha off. He stare, He states that he understands about the coming war and knows what he must do. Uh, it, he is given the now empty watch by the doctor and and watches the TARDIS leave. Latimer later saves Hutchinson and himself on the Western Front, which is that bit mm-hmm. he saw in the future, and he knew that he was going to have to do that. 
based upon his premonition in the previous episode. The scene then cuts to the to the future when an elderly wheelchair-bound Latimer attends a Remembrance Sunday. Okay. Uh, commemoration, still holding the same watch, and the doctor and Martha observe from a distance wearing artificial poppies. I'll have to look that up. Okay. Uh, anyway, the traveling pair and Latimer silently acknowledge one another as the service continues, which I thought, I was, thought was very really touching. Cool. Yeah, it reminded me, um, minus the whole time travel, uh-huh. but it reminded me in this in the beginning scene from Phantom of the Opera when. Um, when the old man is in the wheelchair and the and the woman comes in and there's a there's a recognition and an acknowledgement that they've been through something together. So that that's what that scene reminded me of. Right. So. And so uh, I'm looking here. The Royal British Legion uh, Legion uh, sometimes referred to referred to as a simple as simply the Legion is the United Kingdom's leading charity providing financial, social, and emotional support to millions who have served or who are currently serving in the British Armed Forces and their uh, dependents. And uh, it looks like uh, these things called a paper poppy worn in the United Kingdom from late October, November 11, uh, let's see, in support of the British Legion. So I guess this... um, this poppy appeal. Uh, let's see. The charity organizes fundraising drive each year, which uh, with art, which artificial poppies meant to be worn on clothing are offered to the public in return for a charitable donation. So I guess these poppies are are a way of maybe doing okay. like a Memorial Day kind right. of celebration. Okay. And a poppy, it would appear, is a a flower. It looks yeah, like. Yeah, a poppy is a flower. Okay. I I know little of these things. <laughs> So anyway, that's what I love about Wikipedia. I know. So uh, anyway, um, Jeremy's in the chat room and he says when he saw the poppies in Doctor Who, he recognized them from his trip to Canada, which is funny because I I watched that episode and I didn't even notice them. Now I want to go back and just look at that scene. Right. And take a look at them wearing Well, we were watching it at 2 a.m. So that may have some part to do with our lack of. Yeah, this is true. It was at 2 o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? All right. So, um, and then our one of our guests in the chat room says that in the Wizard of Oz, poppies will make them sleep. So I guess maybe oh. the poppies were being used in uh, the Wizard of Oz. Interesting. Learning all kinds of awesome <laughs> things here tonight. So anyway, um, we see that there was a big, huge standoff between the army of scarecrows. And the family of blood and these children, the literally children right. in this school. And we saw that the doctor was a little bit weak in some, in some regards, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and timid and shy, and, but at, at the other, and, and willing to see these children fight. Which is so unlike him. Right. But at the same time, he 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 kind of criticized himself as the doctor. He says, "What do you mean? How how could I not see that I might fall in love? What kind of man was I?" And, and right. almost despising who he might be if he goes back to becoming the doctor. And of course, I love that they showed him struggle with staying human and yeah. becoming a time lord again. Right. I think that that was really important to see how vulnerable he was to the life that he was leading and to see him really struggle with that decision I thought was really cool. I I think so as well. 
one of the things that I will say, though, is that seeing Martha defend who the doctor was, he's mm-hmm. like, he is an amazing man. I mean, or how did she say it? Do we know? I don't remember exactly how she said it, but she was really ready to jump to, well, she loves him, and you always go to bat for for the man you love. Right. She accuses him of... Okay, so I I love the end of this, and I'm just going to read it here. It says, the, the doctor then visits Joan, after he's back mm-hmm. to the doctor again, uh, who has resigned herself to the reality that her beloved John Smith is gone. The doctor states that although he will not transform himself back into Smith, Smith still exists within him, and he claims he is capable, capable of everything that Smith was, but she, but she is not prepared to accept it. He suggests that they could start over and invites her to travel with him. Wow, could you imagine the tension between her no and Martha? Woo! That would be that would have been interesting plot twist just for that alone. It would have. Uh, but Joan refuses to go with the stranger who resembles her dead lover. She accuses him of causing the deaths around the school by having chosen their time and place to hide from this family. But he actually didn't choose it. I think he did. No, he when he was changing into what 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 was it called the chameleon what arc uh-huh. or arch or whatever before he, you know, strapped that on his head and all, he said that um I don't know if he said that it would or if the TARDIS would, but it would choose a place in time and a complete identity for him. But Martha was kind of on her own and had to insert herself into that place and time. Right. Okay. Well, so well the, it's not exactly so that he not, chose that place. So and time. not. And you know the thing is, is, is that, that those are the words that were chosen by the people who wrote the Wikipedia article. However, I will say that um, she, she did not necessarily use those words. She just she said, "Can you tell me, you know, would these kids have died if you had not chosen, or if you had not come here?" You know, it, it, it's because of your lifestyle as a time lord that you must obviously have a habit of going to places and bringing about danger to the places you are simply because of the person who you are as a time lord. And before you say anything, um, going back to the old Doctor Who, the the time lords uh, would often get on to the doctor. They would recall him to come back to Gallifrey because he consistently had an issue with going and causing, you know, what they would say is meddling in the affairs of other people and other planets and other worlds, and even some somewhat of, you know, causing some, um, some civilizations to become extinct as a result of the Doctor's influence there. And I recall, there now I was not a huge Colin, uh, Colin Baker fan, I enjoyed watching the episodes. He was a little annoying for me as a doctor. However, there was an ex- an excellent series of Doctor Who podcast episodes called The Trial of a Time Lord. And it was it was him, it was the doctor on trial uh for the murder and extinction and over and being overly you involved. Mean, you just said podcast episodes did i say podcast i mean doctor who episodes okay yes i I was just thinking wow some people take this to a whole new level (laughs) yeah no 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 there was there were there were episodes with colin baker it was called the trial of the time lord and i think it was like five or seven or maybe even more 
episodes back to back with and there was this guy named Sabalon Glitz and 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 Perry and and all these other uh people from the old days and so anyway it was it was very interesting because the doctor has always had this aura about him of of causing a lot of extra issues wherever he goes okay. however the knowing who the doctor is and following him through all his journeys you know that he's always there and has always gone way out of his way and put his life in danger on multiple occasion uh just to save or solve an issue in every travel that he's ever done well yeah that's all i've ever seen of the doctor is trying to save the human race he he's very protective I think of of Earth and and the human race, and so that's all I've ever seen. You know, it's like in the um, in the episode when um, the man tries to create youth, you know, and he ha- and he turns into like this disgusting spider like thing. Um, he leaves Martha in her apartment right after the news had aired and he comes back and he says, I'm sorry, did he just say he was going to change the future of the human race? You know, it's kind of like that. He, he has the only thing I've ever seen of, um, or the majority of what I can remember is him trying to preserve or protect the way the human race is supposed to evolve. Right, absolutely. The only thing, the only thing I think you would have to agree with, though, it, let's just say if you were on, let, let's just say if you were to put the doctor on trial, and you were, you were the do, you were the lawyer that had to uh, go against him, and you had to combine and, and find evidence that that the doctor was a menace or a danger to society, would you or would you not agree that he does pick up? Um, People who are innocent bystanders brings them on as companions and puts all their lives in danger and in jeopardy on a consistent well, basis at wherever he, he goes. He does exactly, and that's what the whole trial of a time lord was all about. The fact that you know his his companions are consistently in danger and their lives are endangered because of him and and him bringing them along. But they made that choice. This is um, true, I you know, guess. I, I yeah. think in in the beginning it was Rose who was insistent to go with him. Okay. Um he offered Martha one ride and you know, she never left. Um it was her choice to stay. You know, she's already been through countless number of of her dangers but she chooses to stay so you can't place all of that blame on the doctor because the companions still have free will okay uh, i'll i'll give you that uh and just just so you know one of our guests in the uh, chat room uh said the, t- the trial of the time lord was sort of, sort of falsified though wasn't it and he's correct uh it, it's no big secret to people who are long time Doctor Who fans, that the trial of the Time Lord was put on by this head. Oh gosh, I can't remember what they called him. Um, but anyway, th- what somebody had meddled with the Time Matrix and changed some events. Uh, and I won't give you any more. Yeah, the Valyard. Thank you. And the Valyard ends up being somebody else. And I can't wait to watch that episode with you one day. Okay, that'll be very cool. And uh, Cavero puts it in the chat room, so I can't let you see. But I, I think you probably already know, just by what you already know about the doctor. Can you what guess? Do you mean? 
who the Valyard would have been? The master. Yeah. Okay. So you already got it. See, you, my wife is already a big enough Doctor Who fan that she would know that. Ah, <sighs> oh, gosh. And uh, Beth in the chat room says, I just figured out why, let's see, I just figured out that this is why Cliff and Stephanie can follow Lost. Now, Beth is in the chat room, and okay. she's a she's a longtime GSPN.TV listener, and she has never really watched Doctor Who before, right. but she's in here listening us, to us talk about Doctor Who. That's really crazy. So, uh, anyway, but yeah, th- we love Doctor, I love Doctor Who. I, I love loved- this Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, this new series I'm really falling in love with. I um, I mean, I've said it a hundred times. I'm going to be so sad when we get a new doctor. Um, but you know what? I may like him better. You may. You know, I may. But I right now I find that hard to believe. Well, I will tell you that um, it's going to be difficult because the thing is, is there have been some very bad doctors in the past. Yeah. I, in my opinion. I, I, I can tell you right now, I really enjoyed um, the first one, William Hartnell. Okay. Patrick Thralton, I enjoyed. John Pertwee, uh, he was a little annoying at times, but he was okay. Uh, Tom Baker was great. What's your favorite? Tom Baker was the best. Um, and I would say, and David Tennant is right up there with Tom Baker. David Tennant is amazing. I mean, I've watched a lot of old Doctor Whos. I've probably seen... Um, I've probably seen, not including Christopher Eccleston, six, is that right? What? Other Doctors. Yeah. Does that? I don't know. I could tell you what they look like. I could point them out if I if I saw them, their picture, but I don't know their names. That was one of the things. Did you notice that in his journal of impossible things, that there, there were, were the pictures, pictures of yeah. the different incarnations yeah, of himself? Absolutely. I thought that was really cool. Um, so I could point out pictures of the other Doctors that I've seen. But um, where was I going with that? I don't know. Me neither. Just the fact that there were some oh. bad doctors but in the past. Yeah, there, there were some bad doctors. And that's probably what gave me. I probably saw one too many of those episodes with those doctors that I didn't really care for. And that's what left me with my bad taste. But, um, but I really am loving David Tennant. And it's really going to be hard yeah. to get a new doctor. It, it is. And I think that that probably will come at the end of season four. In my own opinion. Right. And I do not know any spoilers no. to that fact. No, so we don't. Just but, so you know. But, I, but my, just my guess sticking is that with, with Doctor Who um, fashion, that that yeah. seems to be logical. Which I think there's a limit on the number of regenerations that a Time Lord has. And I think they were just talking about it. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, is it is it 12? I have no idea. Don't ask me. I don't know. We... We could certainly look that up, but uh, only 13 lives is what they're saying uh, in the chat room. So we're getting pretty close. I, what what number? Or no, 12 regenerations, 13 lives. Okay. And what number doctor is this? I have no idea. They're, well, they're, I'm asking them in the chat room. So well, they're I gonna, know you are. I'm they're going to tell us what number we are. As to on. not have dead air, I thought I would say I have no idea. All right. So he is number 10. He's number 10. Yeah. And so Christ- I, I will tell you that Christopher, Ec- Christopher Eccleson, I didn't mind him. He was an uh-huh. okay doctor. He was probably the best doctor since Peter Davidson. Okay. Okay. But I'm a little upset they only gave us one episode or one, one season, season of him. Because it's really going to mess up you the, cannot take the length up a, that they can go. Yeah. You can't take a regeneration and just throw it out the door like right. that. I mean, what's are are they really ready to end it after that? You know, I don't know. I'm sure they'll have to come up with something. 
know. Uh, but who knows? Uh, the, the thing is, is they, they originally wrote in 13, so something's got to happen, I Maybe would have to say. Maybe it lies in the, what what's its name, the the face of Bo? I'm not going to say anything about the face of Bo. Until well, I know you're not going to say anything, but I'm saying, I'm giving you a theory of, yeah? of mine that, that I'm... Share, share me your theory. I, I well, I will more. if you'd shut up. <laughs> Did you just tell me to shut up? I did. I'm telling you that maybe in my mind that that the theory to not have to end the doctor after, you know, these next two regenerations, it would be lying in the face of Bo telling him you're not the only one. Okay. You know, that maybe, I don't know. So do just you something think maybe that I'm the, just formulating in my mind right so, now. So do you think maybe the face of Bo could possibly be the doctor living forever? Or, but the face of Bo died. The though. face of Bo died. Hmm. 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 Things that make you go hmm. Yeah, things that make you go hmm. So anyway. I'm enjoying it though. Yes. Let's go ahead real quickly. Do you think we'll get a new doctor before we'll get a new companion or will we get a new companion next season? Uh, I already know for a fact that we have a new companion, and I'm not happy about it. In season four? In season four. Okay. Yeah. I already know this. Bummer. Yeah. And I, I, but we knows? had two. Who knows? Did we only have one season with Martha? No, we had two seasons no. with Martha, Martha. So we only had one season with Rose. No, yeah. because Rose was with, with David oh, Tennant also. So this season was the first season. Was you're it? right. Smith and Jones was the first Smith episode Jones with Martha. Smith and Jones was the first episode. You're right. You're right. So they're only giving us one season with Martha. All right. All right. Well, so, anyway, that's well, enough rambling about that. Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> let's go ahead and do something crazy here and go ahead and talk about Blink real quick because we're not going to watch it again, you said. What? Blink? Oh, Blink. You've seen Blink. I've seen Blink and I will not watch it again because let me tell you, it creeped me out. All right. So it doesn't matter... <laughs> It doesn't matter that this is going to uh, take us off of our uh, normal episode count because our podcast episode numbers were matching the pod, the episode numbers mm-hmm. of Lost until this week. So since we're off of here, we're going to go ahead and cover Blink real quick. Okay. All right. Blink is an episode of, of course, Doctor Who uh, that was broadcast originally on uh, the 9th of June, 2007. It is, it is the 10th episode of the season uh, series three. Does that mean we only have three episodes left? Are there 13 or are there more? I can look. Would you like me to look? See if somebody okay, can tell so, you. Well, hold on. So after after Blink, there is Utopia, uh, which is a good episode. And then The Sound of Drums. And then there is Last of the Time Lords. And that is it. That is it. Gosh, then good. there's Time Crash, which is that special I was telling you about. So how many do we have? Three more episodes? Three and then the special makes four. Okay. So next week, are we going to cover two to get you caught up? I don't know. All right. Well, let's go ahead and cover Blink real quick. Okay, Blink. All right. So Blink was this episode uh, with Sally Sparrow. And I'll just read the synopsis real quick. It says, Sally Sparrow is a photographer who enters an old abandoned house and to take pictures. Inside, though, the weeping angels are waiting. She must decipher several cryptic messages from 1969 from a strange man called The Doctor, all directed specifically at her. This was an ep- excellent episode. And in fact, it really was. Let's just go ahead and read the plot from uh, Wikipedia so that we get it straight. And I'll have you read the first uh, first line there, Steph. What? Uh, I'm starting at the episode? Yes, yeah, so where it says uh, the plot. 
Okay. Well, I was just making sure I wasn't rereading anything you were. Let me move this screen. All right. Okay. Um, the episode, set mainly in 2007, focuses upon Sally Sparrow, who breaks into a dilapidated house called Wester Drumlins to take photographs. There, she discovers behind the peeling wallpaper a message from the doctor, dated 1969, calling her by name and telling her to beware of the weeping angels, and then to duck down just before an object launched from behind her nearly hits her okay she returns the next day with her friend kathy nightingale a man uh soon arrives at the door with a decades old letter from his grandmother saying that he had promised to deliver it to sally on this date at exactly this time the name of his grandmother was kathy kathy nightingale uh, thinking this is a prank, she searches for Kathy, who has just disappeared. Sally encounters three weeping angel statues, one holding a Yale key. Uh, she takes the key and leaves the house, unaware that the angels have moved and are watching her from the windows. Okay, Sally reads the letter, wherein Kathy explains that the weeping angels transported her back to 1920 and that she lived a happy and full life. The letter asks Sally to explain her absence to her last close friend, Kathy's brother Larry, who runs a store that sells rare DVDs. Larry has also discovered a message from the doctor, which, which features him carrying on half of an unfathomable conversation as an Easter egg hidden on 17 unrelated DVDs. The Easter egg is unusual in that no one who worked on the DVDs had any idea it was there. It seemed to pop up from nowhere. At one point, the doctor appears to respond to one of Sally's comments and then tells her he can hear what she's saying, seriously freaking her out. Larry gives Sally a list of the DVDs that have the doctor on them. Sally goes to the police where a detective inspector, Billy Shipton, shows her a car park full of abandoned vehicles found at Wester Drumlins, including a fake police box with a Yale lock that cannot, that cannot be opened. Billy then begins to flirt with Sally, asking her to have a drink with him. She laughs, gives him her telephone number, and leaves. Outside, Sally realizes that the Yale key could be used to open the police box while inside. While inside, Billy is in is sent back in time by the weeping angels to 1969. The doctor finds him and tells him that the angels feed on potential energy. And they do this, let's say, and to do this, they send people into the past and feed on their futures that will never be. After Billy asks the doctor uh, how he knows all this, he asks Billy to deliver a message to Sally, but apologizes that it's going to take a while. In 2007, Billy calls Sally minutes after they last spoke from her point of view and asks her to meet him in a hospital. He is now an old man, although he did marry in, in the past to somebody called Sally, no less, and eventually got into DVD publishing. And it was how, it, it was, and it was he who was responsible for adding the Easter eggs. He gave her the doctor's message, look at the list of the DVDs, she stays with him and 
un- until he dies shortly after. Looking at the list, Sally realizes the connection between the DVDs. Um, they are the 17 DVDs she owns. The Easter egg was intended for her. Sally and Larry enter Wester Drumlins and watch the doctor's message on a DVD. This time, Sally provides the other half of the conversation, which Larry adds to a transcript he brought with him. The doctor explains several things. He has a complete transcript of the incomplete conversation and is reading um, off an auto cue, which is possible due to the non-linear nature of time, and that the weeping angels are quantum-locked, meaning they turn to stone when a living thing looks at them, even themselves. But when unobserved, they are fast and can be deadly. Hence, it is of utmost importance that she does not blink. He also tells them that the weeping angels feed off of the potential energy of what the victim could have become by teleporting people to the past where they live to death. Excuse me. They stole the TARDIS from the doctor and Martha and tried to feed off of all of the time energy in it, with which they could absorb so much power as to switch off the sun if they wished. It is vital they don't make it inside. When Sally asks the doctor how she can defeat the angels, he cannot answer, as his copy of the transcript has ended since Larry has stopped writing, because an angel has entered the building. He urges her to keep her eyes on the angels and And do do not not blink. blink. All right. While trying to escape from an angel in the room, they are watching the DVD in they were watching the DVD in Larry and Sally discover the TARDIS in the cellar unwilling to let their prey escape. The angels cause a light bulb in the room's only light source to flicker, allowing them to draw closer to the TARDIS. Larry and Sally manage to get to the TARDIS and shut the doors just as the angels manage to surround it. The DVD that Larry and Sally brought with them activates the protocol in the TARDIS causing them causing it to return to the doctor. Sally and Larry are left behind, leaving the angels trapped forever in a circle, tricked into observing each other. The final scene takes place a year later, with Sally and Larry running the DVD store together. However, Sally is keeping a folder of everything connected with her experience with the doctor and angels, and the angels, even though... The danger has passed. She still doesn't understand how the doctor got the list of DVDs, the transcript, how he knew what to write on the walls, etc. As Larry goes to get some some milk, Sally suddenly spots the doctor and Martha emerge from a taxi outside the shop, armed with bows and arrows, apparently in pursuit of an unidentified monster. She quickly runs out and calls to him, and when the doctor fails to recognize Sally, she realizes that he has not yet experienced the episode's events, causing an ontological paradox. I love Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Finally understanding fully, she had hand she had she hands over the folder to which contains everything the doctor will need to ex, ex- what is that? 
extricate uh, himself from 1969 and tells him he'll need it in the future. Sally and the doctor exchange goodbyes as Larry returns, surprised to find the man from the DVD Easter egg. The episode ends with the repeat of the doctor's warnings to Sally, this time directed at the viewer, overlaid with flashes of the famous bronze and stone statues. Anyway, we won't do that a whole lot, reading the no, entire th- no, synopsis. No, um, the, the funny thing is, is that um, although that episode was not scary in any way, there was something about those statues that really freaked me out. So I refused to watch it again. It, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. I, no, I, the, the whole episode was great. It, it was a fantastic episode. I liked the story, and um, and I liked you know the doctor being trapped in time and and using um, the the police officer. You know, I I loved all of that. But there was something about those statues that just freaked me out. It it was a neat episode. I love the ontological paradox. Uh, <laughs> not that I ever knew what that was before I read this uh, plot from Wikipedia, but I really like the name ontological paradox. And I'm gonna have to look in, more into that sometime. But anyway, it was it was really cool. I did enjoy the and, whole you know, and back even, and forth in time and writing uh-huh. half of the script. And that was really that, cool. That's very clever writing. It is very clever writing. Which, um, by the way, just so you guys know, the writer of this episode was Stephen Moffat, uh, and just amazing writing. And Go I ahead. love that they took a break from the whole Martha in love with the Doctor. You know, because yeah. that has been so um, precedent in the last few episodes that it was nice to have a break from that to have, um, you know, this episode where they're really they're just trapped. Right. Trying to get out of 1969. It was amazing to have such an op- uh, such an episode with very little of the doctor and Martha in it. I thought that was really cool that they were able to pull that off. Absolutely. Well, anyway, folks, that is our, gosh, we just covered three episodes of Doctor Who. (laughs) How amazing is that? So what is the next episode? They're brief, but we did. Uh, Let's see here. Utopia. uh, And I'll just, the synopsis real quick is Utopia is an episode. uh, Oh, Stephanie, listen to this. Mm -hmm. This episode is the first of a three-part story. That is set up in the planet of uh, Mal, let's see, Malcazero in the year uh, 100 trillion, okay. where a professor is working to send the last remnants of the human race to a planet called Utopia. It seems that it sees the return of Jack Harkus, Harkness is that and Captain Jack? somebody else. Huh? Yes, Captain Jack. Okay. And so it looks like it's a three-part thing. Are we going to watch all three of them together? I don't know. We'll see how I I feel next Monday. I think you will. I really do. Um, So anyway, I think probably what we'll do is between now and next, what is it? Monday. Monday. Today's Monday. Okay. Between now and next Monday, I think we'll probably end up watching all three of those episodes. Okay. Which will take us through the end of this and we can start getting into season four stuff, which is going to be amazing. That's going to be cool. And then we can I'm go excited. back to some season one stuff That'll of the original fun. series. 
All right, folks, thank you for joining us here at the Doctor Who Fan Podcast. Uh, we encourage you to go to gspn.tv, check out all of our other shows. If you really enjoy what we're doing here, I mean, if you really enjoy listening to our podcast, would you consider becoming a Plus member? Just go to gspn.tv slash plus. There's details there. There's going to be a lot of exciting incentives in the very near future, probably within the next two or three weeks. Uh, but we are working on the details of how to implement all that. I can just tell you that there's going to be free giveaways of iPods. Uh, There's going to be a lot of additional content that you won't get uh, uh, outside of the Plus membership, but it's it's a great way to help support what we're doing here as we continue to provide gspn.tv podcast content as a full-time career for us. So with all of that, thank you very much for being a part of everything that we do here. We'll talk to you soon. And until next time, join Join the the community. community.